Looking for a CRM that's more Canadian than apologizing for apologizing? Meet Client Connector. Imagine high-levels genius, now with extra Canadian politeness and a dash of maple syrup smoothness. Courtesy of Blue Cow Marketing's Decade of Wizardry in Business Automation, this is where tech meets Canadian charm. For just $97 a month, you're not buying a system. You're getting a hockey team's worth of support, minus the ice. It's all the CRM power you need, with the personal touch of your favorite local diner. Ready to make your business as smooth as maple syrup and as efficient as a beaver dam? Paddle over to clientconnector.app and let's get your business saying sorry for being so awesome. I want to start this episode by asking you a question. If you're creating content, are you creating it with intent? Now, I don't mean intent by, hey, I want people to read it, watch it, listen to it, whatever that is. But are you going about it in a way that you know exactly what you need to say, how you need to say it, how you need to write your content? Is it done with a strategy for search engine optimization so that you can be found? That is a topic of what we're going to dive into today. I had a great conversation with Jason Berkowitz from breaktheweb.agency. We dove into many different topics when it comes to SEO, debunked some myths, and gave you some really great tips on what you should focus on. So let's get right into it. Episode 99, we are going into the world of SEO. Let's do it. Jason, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. You are here from Break the Web, and you have 12 years of SEO experience. And you know what? When we look for guests, we look for somebody that that you know has walked the walk, and I think you've done that. So I'm excited to, to dive into SEO uh, on today's episode. All right, I appreciate that, Sean. Yeah, it's been 12 years. Not all of those years were successes in the world of SEO. And even back then, 12 years ago, SEO was very different. So it's been quite the journey. Now, there's a lot of uh, kind of misinformation out there. You know, uh, you know, being in a marketing field, I, I hear a lot of times you need to be doing SEO. And people are, other people are like, SEO is dead. You don't do that. And you should just do all social, right? So let's provide some truth. How important is SEO? Uh, to any business structure, but more so for from a small business owner who is maybe creating content, they're doing blogs and, and without any kind of structure. How important is it to do it with some kind of framework? Yeah, I mean, it should be part of any marketing initiative that is well-rounded, that has multiple different verticals. You don't want to be reliant on one marketing vertical per se for revenue, just because if something does happen, especially when it's platforms beyond our control, revenue could be wiped out overnight completely. It's important because, you know, people tend to ignore the ads. They don't want to see ads. They want to see the true results. And of course, the main organic results get about 70% of the click. You're not paying per click. You might be paying whether it's time or money to get the organic search results, but it's another marketing vertical. It's creating well-rounded trust for your entity and your brand all around. Uh, like I said, you're not paying per click, and it's just a part of a well-rounded SEO strategy, especially when it comes to creating new content, maybe at top of the funnel, maybe just content that answers questions, or bottom of the funnel, kind of a service or product level. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you know, most people know SEO, search engine optimization, which is just optimizing your content to be found when people are searching online. What... I guess, what should you be thinking of when you're creating your content 
uh, first so that you actually will, will get some kind of return out of that content. I, I know a lot of clients uh, of mine that are just getting started and maybe they're in the finance industry and they're like, you know, I want to rank for finance, like very, very broad, but I don't think that's the way you need to go about it. Yeah. It first starts with what your audience is searching for and what do they hope to get out of the content? They're making a search. They're going to Google for a specific intent. Understanding with market research, keyword research, what people might be asking, and then what other topics that are related or what further questions would they be asking in that main overarching topic that probably should be included in your topic, in your content as well. Making sure that, like you said, some keywords and topics and queries just aren't realistic. So understanding, okay, what is the competitive landscape? Who is ranking right now? Who is appearing at the top of Google for these different search queries? Are they a true competitor or like in the finance space, nerd wallet? They're a classic SEO example because they kill it. Are we actively going to compete with nerd wallet? Let's be honest, probably not. So maybe it's not a query that we should be going for, or maybe we can get below uh, nerd wallet as a topic, but making sure you fully understand why your reader might be going to Google, making it a specific search query. And then aiming to hone in on that topic as best as possible, as unique as possible, as different as possible from the other search results, and then making sure that the opportunities are realistic. How has SEO kind of evolved over the last, I mean, technology is moving very fast, but let's even say over the last like 12 to 24 months, what kind of evolution have we seen as to where it's going or, or what we need to be aware of? Yeah, I don't want to say that Google's as advanced as they kind of play it out to be. At the end of the day, they're just a system and they have to crawl millions upon millions of pages every second, maybe even every hour. I don't even know the, stat, the stats there. SEO, again, even two years ago, strategies were different in terms of content quality. You know, the standards have raised up a little bit. Google has advanced and search engines have advanced in terms of determining what is considered good, valuable, trustworthy content pages entities, brands versus uh, less competitive. So I think that's the biggest change. Overall, SEO in the last couple of years hasn't had in terms of execution strategies, hasn't been that different, at least from a normal SEO execution standpoint. But the bigger difference is from a decade ago to now, which everything was completely different. The last couple of years, it's just been kind of fine tuning and, and enhancing a little bit the quality requirements. Okay, that makes sense. Now, we tend to always just say Google and Google. Now, Bing is also a player out there. Should you discredit that or should you have an equal strategy or should the strategies be different if you want to include that? Yeah, the strategies should typically be the same. You know, optimize for Google. They own the monopoly on search. By default, you typically should rank in Bing as well. Their algorithms are similar, just Bing's, as we know, is a little bit behind. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's Google circa maybe three or four years ago. But um, you can easily help get found on Bing by Bing Webmaster Tools, which might cause trouble. We actually had a client that added themselves to Bing Webmaster Tools and traffic started exploding for them on Bing. And then Bing out of nowhere just pretty much removed their entire search results. And there was no explanation. We even helped and uh, tried to analyze the culprit. They got in touch with Bing and Bing actually said, oh, sorry, this is an error on our part. So that <laughs> would be an example of... While we should focus on Google, it's secondary and probably helpful to include Bing as well, but Bing can be buggy. Uh, but also at the same time, uh, Yahoo, 
uh, DuckDuckGo, AOL, they use Bing's index. So if you're doing well on Bing, you're going to do well on the other three as well. Now you mentioned uh, like webmaster tools. For those that don't know what that is, um, what is it? A dashboard that you could connect your website to Bing or Google has their version, which is Google, Google Search Console, used to be Google Webmaster Tools, allows you to see some data and insights on how your website might be performing, how the search engines might be crawling your website, any errors they detect. Um, you can also submit information like new URLs, new sitemaps of your website. So it's kind of a user dashboard to help the search engines find your website and keep your website in good standings. Now, is it important to to set that up? Is that going to like enhance your ability to be ranked? Or can you go about a strategy where you're just creating a blog following the proper kind of framework and you will get found? Or do you need to take that step? It's, it could only help. I don't think it'll be a make it or break it. Like if you don't add to Webmaster Tools or Search Console, you're not going to rank. It's definitely possible too, but it can only help, especially if you do have actionable items taken away from just reviewing and auditing the dashboards, mm -hmm. then it can only help from there. And it's free. So why Absolutely. Not? We like free tools. Now, you had mentioned in a, in a previous interview that I was listening to before this one that SEO is technical, data-driven, and creative. You know, this show, we focus a lot on the content. We know that you know, there's technical things to SEO with you know, headlines and tags and all that stuff. Data, I'm assuming you're referencing, is, is how you're making those decisions to see what people are searching for. But when it comes to the creative, what are some things that people need to focus on that's really going to help and not hinder their ranking? Yeah, from a broad general standpoint, it's really just trying to be unique and be different. If everyone is going for the same query or same topic or article, for example, and they're all kind of pretty much writing the exact same thing, you're not helping yourself. Someone might go to that uh, search result, see a website. I didn't get the answer to my question. I'm gonna go back to the search results, go to another website. And if they're all the exact same, then that doesn't satisfy the specific search intent or Google is not providing the right answer. So being unique, being different, our website, for example, we're different than many other agencies because we're playful and weird with our content and our styling and our messaging. So that allows us to kind of create that differentiation. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But being unique from a creative standpoint, hiring the experts that are good at creatives, whether it's a creative copywriter, creative designer, those are things that can help you stand out and be different. Uh, but again, even data-driven is, is the same thing. It's just as important uh, as well when it comes to decision-making. Is there anything from, from your kind of paid traffic strategy that will actually help in the SEO? Like is Google's looking at the, the traffic that's hitting the site and be like, well, you know, this is, this is stuff that's relevant. People are going there. Does it know it's coming from a paid ad? Like, can you not necessarily game the system, but can you assist it? It won't help directly paid advertising and SEO, no direct correlation, at least that data collected over the last decade can actually show. But what can be insightful is the topic of, okay, we want to rank on Google organically with SEO for this specific keyword. Do we really know how worth it it might be from an ROI perspective? Maybe let's throw a little bit of money into it from a paid ad standpoint and see what happens. We get 100 clicks out of those 100 clicks, four become customers, uh, clients, whatever it might be. 
you have your 4% conversion rate and that can basically help you understand if it's even worth it or not to pursue from an SEO standpoint. So it's good for testing to see, especially in competitive markets, if something might be fruitful to go after, but a direct correlation, I wish, because then everyone, I mean, it'd be weird because Google knows that they make buttloads more, like they're not making enough buttloads more money <laughs> if they did create that correlation. At the same time, I imagine there's a lot of uh, FTC stuff there. That might yeah. Issues. So now when it comes to, to creating content, let's talk about blogs first, because, you know, people are familiar with that, you know, written content. Is there stuff you can add in there to enhance it? I've heard that, you know, if you, if you have a YouTube video and you've embedded it on there, that's going to help it as well. I actually saw that in ours. One of my top blog posts, actually the top one other than the homepage is a post I did on, on editing your podcast using Adobe Audition. And there's six YouTube tutorial videos in that blog post. And that's far as, oh, you know, performing anything else. What can you put in your content to actually help? I mean, you, you just nailed one of them. You know, if you're the only listing in the search results that has that video thumbnail that appears because of the video content on your page, then your click-through rate is gonna go up significantly. More people are going to click on your website and your result versus some of the other competitors. These are called rich snippets, which is really awesome. Google has a lot of documentation on them. And it's basically allowing you to provide the search engines with information. And if they deem it necessary, valuable, relevant, they will actually give you a little bit of extra features in the search results based on that information, which could enhance click-through rate, get more real estate on the page. In mm -hmm. the mix of 10 blue links, you can get a little bit more of a standout-ish things. So videos are one uh, from a content standpoint. Other ones that uh, work really well sometimes are FAQs. So if you have a article or even sometimes even a service or product page, you can throw in FAQs and then also mark those up with specific schema. Uh, schema is kind of the code or JSONLD is the code. Schema is the data being provided. You can have in the search results boxes and accordions under your listing that again, people can open up it may answer a question, so they may not uh, click through your result, but you still get more of the attention. Okay, excellent. Now, when it comes to the structure, I notice on on your blog on Bright the Web, your articles, you have the main content on 60% on the right side. Then on the left side, you have in this article, and it's kind of like a, you know, a glossary of, of all the topics that are in there. Is that strategic to enhance the, the ranking of that article to do it that way? Or is it more of, hey, that's a convenience for the person that hits the site? Uh, yeah, the table of contents. It's actually, I believe, uh, a dual purpose. So A, the designer that helped us design uh, the website uh, a few years back uh, said, hey, you're going to publish. And, you know, marketing companies, you know, we just publish so much content sometimes. Don't trust and, those marketing companies. Uh, uh, screwballs. <laughs> cash uh, shady guys. <laughs> I mean, let's say someone hits one of our articles, which our articles perform really well on search itself. Uh, somebody hits our article and Usually there's going to be an introduction. Kind of Think of uh, recipes. Recipes are the classic example in which it takes freaking forever to get to the damn recipe because they want to talk about how their grandma's chicken parmesan was the best chicken parmesan ever. Just like, how long do I bake it for? That's all I want to know. And if you have the table of contents, I just think it makes it easy for someone to jump. And also the designer agreed to a specific heading tag or mm -hmm. topic or title that they find relevant to them. But also from an SEO standpoint, it may allow you to get uh, jump links or site links under your result, which again is a bit more page one real estate. They are clickable links right under your, under your result, 
your listing in the search results. Mm -hmm. That'll also take you to that specific section uh, based on those headers. So it's kind of a twofold. We want to optimize ideally for users first. If you're bringing in traffic, this is what we tell clients as well as developers, because developers and SEO sometimes can butt heads. SEO, unfortunately, comes second to user experience. If we're bringing in so much relevant traffic, but that traffic isn't converting or they're not going to the next stage of the funnel, what what are we doing? What's the purpose? What's the point? So um, user first, table of contents is good for there. Now, these jump links that you that you mentioned, I'm, I'm sure most people are familiar with it. I know that I've used them when I've gone looking for search uh, queries. Do you have any control over those or you kind of just like succumb to whatever Google has indexed and put on there? Unfortunately, jump links or site links, as it's labeled in Google's documentation, we have no control over. We can help provide information that could increase the possibility that those site links will appear, but you can't have control over which ones appear, unfortunately. Okay. While we take a break for just a moment, I want to give a shout out to the great team over at eWebinar. eWebinar is an automated webinar platform that allows you to take your killer webinar and automate it in evergreen format, unlike anything that I've ever seen before. You can integrate it with Slack, with your CRM. It basically is as close to a real live webinar as it gets. And you can learn more and find out how you can get a free demo at bluecowmarketing.ca slash eWebinar. I wanted to ask you this. I knew you were coming on the show and this is something that I've heard mixed messaging on. Do pop-ups hinder your SEO? So actually, that's an ambiguous one because Google supposedly has an algorithm filter about interstitial ads or pop-ups, interstitial pop-ups, pop-ups that pretty much block the entire user's uh, viewport, your screen. I find them annoying personally. And Google's data, of course, suggested that other people find them annoying too. So they created an algorithm filter at the same for that. At the same time, I also frequently see pages that are ranking very well and appearing at the top of Google that the second you get on the page and you're ready to start diving and reading, bam, it's in your face. Mm -hmm. So I think um, speak from a a user experience standpoint, uh, that would be a question to speak with uh, UX team designers. Does the big page ads have an, uh, an effect on your SEO? Potentially, if people can't exit X out or they just immediately just go back and like, screw this, I'm not going to try to get back into the content. That might affect your SEO, uh, but smaller pop-ups are probably better. And they can work. I think, you know, it does a call to action and your content is super top of the funnel, but also the content is geared towards like perfectly to your target perso- persona, mm-hmm. customer, then why not have a little call to action and a pop-up? Yeah, absolutely. How important or, or does it, is there any impact to what you do on social media on organic side uh, of that to impact your, your, your ranking in, in Google or Bing or any kind of search? No direct impact, okay. unfortunately. So I know everything is so indirect. I'm like, <laughs> oh, Google's algorithms just don't help you at all. Um, basically, let's say you publish your content on social media, as you should as well. And somebody finds your content, maybe a journalist through social media, and they're writing an article and they link back to your content. That link will help SEO value. But the action of posting to social media and that 
content being on your profile won't unfortunately help. So it's indirect. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about backlinks. Uh, I know since I've had my blog up, I get you know people periodically reaching out saying, hey, uh, I can you know write an article for you. And obviously they have a backlink to, to their site or they even have an article they want to add to one of ours. Um, my assumption is that that is all helping them and there's no benefit to me other than additional content on the site, correct? Yeah, and unfortunately, those type of cold emails that we all get way too much every single day, they've kind of ruined it for people who might actually produce good quality content because most of them, unfortunately, are the content quality is going to be horrible. And like you said, it's not a great exchange of value there. They really, me, 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 what can I get out of it? So I'm going to give you eh, content, but I'm going to get that link from your site. I'm going to squeeze all right. that power and it won't harm you. Again, the content quality might suck. So that might harm you again in other ways. But yeah, it's all, it's, I mean, if you have a unique partnership, you know, with somebody in your network, a colleague, and they actually say, hey, I want to write about this topic. Yeah, I'm going to link back to my site. But I think it actually might be valuable for your readers. Then maybe it actually could be fruitful in a mutual exchange where it can be beneficial for you. You have new, great content that's relevant for your readers, and they get their link. Okay. So let's, as we, we get near the end of the episode, let's talk a bit about like, where do you start um, finding out, like, where are you in SEO, right? I mean, obviously you can go and Google and search for what you think you want your audience to come up for and are you there or not, but what kind of tools out there can people use, um, as a business owner to really kind of see where they're at and if they, you know, they need to be increased or if they are really crushing it. Yeah. I mean, right off the bat, it's free again, Google search console, plug in your website, connect it, wait a couple of days for the data to populate. And then you'll see exactly how many impressions and click, not exactly, sorry. And it's a, it's a much smaller data set. Unfortunately, that's not the same as analytics, but you can see right off the bat, okay, in search console, we're getting, we're appearing this amount of times on the page in Google search and we're getting clicks and you can even see a small, smaller sample data set of the queries that are bringing in traffic. You can see, oh, wow, we're getting a thousand visits over the last week crap, 95% of those visits are kind of branded queries, people who already know of us. So we want to see how can we target queries that people don't know of us specifically, bring in new audiences. So Search Console is probably a great first free way to go. There's other third-party tools that unfortunately aren't free or are maybe free to a limit. Uh, Stuff like Mm semrush.com, ahrefs.com. I mean, there's a million websites like those now. You can go... um, Similar web is another one, SpyFu. So those are tools that are meant to help you with search marketing overall. It may not be exclusive just to SEO, but also with paid advertising efforts. Excellent. Can be beneficial there. Now, I mean, I I know myself just from being in this industry, not on the SEO side, but more in the the web and marketing side, that you know SEO is a is something that that's why there's experts like you guys uh, that do this. Um, and while I think any business owner should have an understanding of it and know how to like create content that kind of supports it to have a real true SEO experience, you need an agency like, like, you know, break the web to do that. We've had a client who 
you know, <clears throat> they were crushing it on Google ads for an e-commerce store. And then Google said, sorry, um, you can't advertise anymore because you're selling fireworks and that's an explosive and we don't sell explosive or allow you to advertise. So basically had to change the whole kind of strategy and go on the SEO route, which is not an overnight success. It is a long game, right? So let's talk a bit about what you guys do. How do you approach it when a, when a client reaches out, goes to your website and clicks on get a proposal um, and they say, hey, I need help with my SEO. What's that process look like? Yeah, so we actually have a three-stage, I guess, sales process from our side. It's sales on our side and it's uh, qualification on the other side. So our first one is about 20 to 30 minute uh, introductory conference. We have three stages just mutual qualification in that standpoint. So of course we want to make sure that we can help manage your expectations, understand and provide results to your marketing goals. What's your brand like? What resources do you have? What do you expect? Uh, so that, those are things that we'll keep an eye out for to make sure that we uh, have a client that would be the right fit for us. And again, it's the same thing on the brand side. They'd be looking to be like, is this SEO agency shady or can I actually get good results and a great experience with them? So that would be the first stage. The second stage is a deep dive discovery. We want to understand as much as possible about your target persona, your customer, your market. What behaviors do they have? What's their intent? What problems do they have? And then what's solved after they become a customer, client, or a conversion uh, to your brand? What mm -hmm. else do we have in terms of marketing initiatives? Do you have development? Do you have content production? Do you have this, that, so we can understand uh, what exactly we may need to come in and help fill for SEO success, which is then presented on the third and final conversation is labeled a strategy review, but we're pitching a proposal. <laughs> oh, we have our slide deck and we're pretty much running through and making sure there's full clarity all around. It's kind of a rough strategy per se uh, initially because market research, keyword research hasn't begun yet, but it's like, here's a plan of attack. Here's what we're going to do. Here's uh, specific issues that need to be resolved. Absolutely for your brand, for your website, maybe a competitive analysis. Oh, you think that you can go with this other agency, but did you know that five of your competitors are publishing 40 pieces of, 40 pieces of content a month? Mm -hmm. um, your one to two articles a month is probably not going to cut it or they're just going to continue to beat you. Right, for sure. So, you know, realistic timeframes here, just so people get this in their head, you know, to take on a, you know, a search engine optimization strategy or whatever, you're probably what looking at like six to 12 months to start to see like increase in, in kind of like traffic. And obviously if the offer sucks, then <laughs> I mean, you can drive people there, but if they don't convert, um, right. But your goal is to get people to come to the site for whatever term that we're trying to rank for essentially. Right. Yeah. I mean, we want to, at this present moment, we don't offer CRO conversion mm -hmm. rate optimization. So right now the pitch is really qualified organic search traffic. People that might be ready to go to the next stage of the funnel or mm -hmm. convert that don't yet already know of you. And SEO would pair really well with CRO because we're bringing in traffic and we're making you more money. Mm -hmm. So it's a good pairing, unfortunately, at our stage right now. And uh, it's just not something we offer but it's something we absolutely would love to offer in the near future. So six to 12 months is a realistic timeline. Mm -hmm. um, it can take a couple of weeks for one small little change you take to be truly impactful in, the, in Google search results. So SEO, unfortunately, compared to ads, is more of a patience game and doesn't satisfy that instant gratification. But long-term, you know, as long as you're, you're playing your cards right, you... Uh, 
can remain there as long as your competitors aren't continuously doing better SEO or continuous SEO. So we, we, we don't do contracts. All of our clients personally have 30 days out, but we do try to get a off the record verbal agreement that, Hey, you're going to, it's going to probably be, be six months until you start seeing results, especially because of implementation time, resources, gaps, bandwidth issues, you know, all these different things might pop up during the timeline, but those are things you should be asking your SEO team as well, or your SEO agency, how long working with you will it take for me to get results? If they give you an answer right there and then that's probably a little bit of a red flag because <laughs> okay, do you have devs? Do you have content writers? Uh, do you have this? Do you have that? Those will all impact the timeline it takes for you to get results or start seeing a difference. Right. And just to confirm for those that are listening, costs, we're not asking you about a cost, but obviously that is variable upon the services. If the, you know, if the business has ability to write the content, if they don't, then you guys have to do it. So there's a lot of variables that come into that proposal, correct? Yeah. Excellent. And there's something to be said about like a SEO campaign or a proposal that's a little too cheap or weary or too good to be true, but also on the flip side, that's like, well, that's crazy expensive and especially even more importantly out of budget. Right. Yeah. And don't find your SEO people on Fiverr. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> They're going to build you a hundred links overnight. <laughs> Jason, thank you so much. Your website, breakthewebagency. Um, go there. Very well laid out. Lots of great resources. Uh, and thank you for sharing your, your information with us today. Of course. Thank you so much, Sean. It was a pleasure being here. You know, throughout the years, I've, I've seen and used a lot of tools in my business, and a lot of them I'm still using to this day. And I get asked many times, what tools and equipment do you recommend? So I thought, hey, let's put a page together on the website, and it is now live, bluecowmarketing.ca slash tools. And on there, you will see a list of the different softwares and tools that I recommend and use in my business. We've got eWebinar, we got Keep, we've got Loom, we've got Jasper. Um, and then also for podcasting, a lot of people want to know what kind of equipment do I use. All those links are there. Check it out, bluecountmarketing.ca slash tools. Looking for a CRM that's more Canadian than apologizing for apologizing? Meet Client Connector. Imagine high levels genius. Now with extra Canadian politeness and a dash of maple syrup smoothness. Courtesy of Blue Cow Marketing's decade of wizardry in business automation, this is where tech meets Canadian charm. For just $97 a month, you're not buying a system. You're getting a hockey team's worth of support, minus the ice. It's all the CRM power you need, with the personal touch of your favorite local diner, ready to make your business as smooth as maple syrup and as efficient as a beaver dam. Paddle over to clientconnector.app and let's get your business saying sorry for being so awesome.